Okay, so we're in the middle of the discussion in the Kuzari, which we're going to hopefully finish today, by understanding the dateline. And uh, we saw that he holds like the Shetra the Balamar, that even though he holds that really the time started in Eretz Yisrael, and then moves west from there, which means Shkir in Eretz Yisrael begins a new day here. And as uh, we move further west and it becomes Shkir, uh, gradually then each place, that's beginning the day which already began previously in Eretz Yisrael. What we saw last time is he explains the Gemara, like the Bayamara did, and that is that the last point, so to speak, is 18 hours after Eretz Yisrael, what he calls the Tchilas HaYishav bin Amairav. And we ask the question, why does, if the day started in Eretz Yisrael, so why does that become the final point? The Chorot should be directly east of Eretz Yisrael. That's what we were holding last time. So we're in the middle of the, the same paragraph of the Kuzari. And he says, again, going back to the, when he talks about the Gemara, which is his basis for his opinion. That there has to be a night and a day of the month, which otherwise from the Mayrad until we can call Rosh Chodesh. And after a night and a day, which means the Shabbos starts in Eretz Yisrael, and, uh, and Shabbos continues somewhere in the globe, until we get to the midday on Sunday, which means that it's now uh, the beginning of the night beforehand, Matzah Shabbos, in what he calls Sin in the, in the east, and then, the, then Shabbos is no longer anywhere on the planet. Even though when that happens in Eretz Yisrael, it's already the middle of Sunday. In other words, the other countries in the world are still competing in Shabbos when in Israel it's already Sunday. It's not that Shabbos everywhere is when Shabbos here is in Israel. It means the seventh day as it begins and as it ends everywhere where, as the globe turns. For example, if you ask people both in the east and the west which day was Rosh Hashanah, as an example, they say Rosh Hashanah fell on Shabbos. Now, what do they mean by that? Even though everyone says Shoshana fell on Shabbos, but one place it means it's just about to finish, another place it's about to start. But the Maestro, they all, it's the same day whenever that day begins. So everyone calls that day the same day, it's just a time delay until that day starts in each different time zone. Right, so again, this is something which we understand as Pasha today. And that is that as the world turns, there's always going to be a Shkia in a different place, which means that same day is always starting an hour later, two hours later, three hours later, as we go further west. But that's the day which is starting, which started in Eretz Yisrael. So if we're starting, let's say, Shkia now is approximately 7 o'clock in Eretz Yisrael. So when the Shkia moves to further west, so it's really 8 o'clock in Eretz Yisrael, but it's only Shkia now, let's say, in Greece, or whatever it's going to be, so that's when Shabbos starts there. We live a further hour, further hour um, west. There's already nine o'clock in Eretz Yisrael, but Shabbos is starting there, and that's the way, as we understand, how the, as the world spins, that that night which started Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael will con, con, will also start Shabbos everywhere as it goes around the planet. For eighteen hours. For eighteen hours. And I was in, right. That that That's that's where the last place where Shabbos will start from. Now, what's the logic in that? Like we asked previously, if it began in Eretz Yisrael, then the furthest point. Uh, when Shabbos should start, should be exactly east of Eretz Yisrael. Why are we going back to the Tchilas and Yishuv? 
So this is something that Baramara talks about a little bit as well. When he calls the beginning of the landmass. In other words, in other words, the end of the Asian continent. Right. So why would that be the last place it starts? So here also it's understood. It seems like he does like the Baramara, and that is it was that Enochanami. Time began there as Israel, but we don't have a better demarcation point where to start. And therefore, even though the Maisa is true, the day began here, but if you're going to find a place which is, uh, like, like he says, between this is the base of Migdash and Yishalayim, Haritzion, Yerichoy, where we're going to exactly draw the line of where we're going to start time from, I mean, maybe we go to a place which was uh, a distance enough that we can say that an end point and we have a starting point. The Chayra, there has to be such a place somewhere, like I said previously. But uh, in other words, it's it's not ex- the Sfar he said why time should start in Shalim makes sense. That's where the motion was. That's where he began time from. The fact that it doesn't end directly east of Israel, that's more of a, a Sfar which has to work with the Matthias rather than when that time actually started in those, in those places. It's not going to say because we know Yedias Shabbos is Hashem. Hashem Hashem. That's like we said previously, that there's a connection between the times which Hashem consecrates, Shabbos and Mayadim, to the Nachas Hashem, which is Eretz Yisrael. Hashem Nikris Harkotshev, Adem Raglav, Vashar Shemayim. And we see that that's why Yerushalayim specifically is given a lot of titles, which show it has distinction, Harakodesh, Adem Raglav, Satisfiction, Sfutstul, Shar Shemayim, it's the connection to Shemayim, can be seen that so this is going back to where he began. In other words, this discussion, like we saw in the timeline, was part of what he said to see the Hashivas of Eretz That we start counting time from here. But uh, now he's going back to what he said before, the other matters in Eretz Yisrael. And that's when he says, the Hashem is Rizus la Ovis la Durba. May he be there, Knanim. That's why you see the Ovis was so keen to live here, even though the mindset at the time it was in the hands of the Knanim, which uh, weren't necessarily even from the same family. They were from Shem, and this was from Knan. And how much they longed for it. And even when they died, they wanted their bonds to be buried there, like we find by Yaakov and Yosef, that they both asked that they be buried in Israel. How much Moshe davened to be allowed to see it. Because Hashem was angry, so the punishment was, you won't be allowed to Israel. But the favorite thing, Hashem showed him Israel from the top of the mountain before he died. So the one thing you see is that he says that you see that um, from time immemorial, Israel, from the time of the Ovis, always had uh, had the yearning to come to Israel, even in times when it wasn't yet built. When Avraham Avinu came here, it was in the hands of the Kleinian. When Yaakov Avinu came back here after Lovon, similarly, there wasn't any Jewish habitation that would be the reason for it. In Moshe, when he wanted to say Israel, that was before Israel came here. Nevertheless, there was a man in Israel as Eretz Israel, which is why they wanted it. And now it's another interesting point. That's what the, the other nations also wanted, such as Paras, Vahoidu, Vyavo, and Vazulasam. The Hakri Valayim, or the Spadal Ba'adam, the Vaisavanichbot. That even the non Jewish kingdoms understood the value of Eretz Israel, and which well, they spent money, and they wanted to bring Karbalas there to Davin Now, what's he referring to? So, Paras, we know that. That's the first apostle. That at the beginning of the reign of Kurash, so he allowed the Jewish people to go back to Eretz Yisrael and he instructed them to build the base of Megdash and to bring Korbanus for the success of Korosh and his sons. Right? That he, he, he sponsored it. 
he told the, his provincial governor, who was in, then in Yehuda, to provide all the needs of Kaisha on to build the rest of Mikdash, as well as the animals and the flour and the salt and the oil, so they should bring Korbanus for the success of the king. So we see that Korosh understood the value of the, the best missionary of Israel. That's why he was interested in bringing Korbanus there or them davening there for him. When we come to Yavon, we also understand that the Gemara tells us a number of Maisim of um, Alexander the Great, who was the conqueror of Yavon, who came to Israel, and he also wanted them to bring Korbanus on his behalf. Right? So we see also here as it. What he says, Hoidu, is surprising because we don't find Hoidu being India as having any connection there to Israel ever. Um, the Mufarshim on the Khazari explain what he means is that the Khazari thought that Hoidu was Madai of the Torah. We talk about Paris from Madai. So here they, they say that they think that uh, where's Madai? That the Khazari understood Madai was India. And therefore, of course, what he calls in, in the vernacular of the time Hoidu, the Torah refers to as Madai. Now, we don't, that's not normally what we consider Madai to be. We consider Paris and Madai to be neighboring areas in the Persian Empire, which would be somewhere in today's um, Iran, probably. Uh, now, but if you're going to talk about Madai, then you know, that we do find, because Koresh was a matter of Paris and Madai. It was a joint kingdom. Okay, so he calls Hoidu, they say he meant Madai. That was the, he, he thought it was the same place. Who was the lady queen of something like that? There was no such person. Who, Helena Malka? No, Shiva. The Malka Shva. In time of Shlema Shva, even though we don't know exactly where Shva is, the Mashva is in Africa. It's not in Hoidu. Right. Again, you're right. We don't know where, we don't know where Shva is. All the nations 
center on it, they wanted it. Zulaseinu. Besides, for us, we We're in Golis, we aren't able to get the Eretz Yisrael, but Lemaisa, all the other nations want it. And this is something which uh, historically has been proven true. Uh, besides the fact that it became the center point uh, for Christianity and for Islam, wherever other regions tried to like, darkly for power there, but Lemaisa, even more recently than that, but we know that uh, in the time of the Turkish Empire, other Eretz Yisrael was a place where each foreign uh, power wanted to, uh, so to speak, consolidate authority there. But even today, we have remnants of that. There's the German colony, and the Greek colony, and the Russian colony, whatever it is. These are basically reminders of what was when the area of Yishalayim, where Yishalayim was wanted by all the different, uh, even countries that there were at the time. Everyone saw value in being having a chalik of Yishalayim. What made Yishalayim so valuable? Especially if you're talking in the early 1900s, it definitely wasn't the center of anything going on. There was no major commerce there, there was no major natural resources there, it wasn't a major political influence. Right? And what? There was a certain attraction. We understood there's a, even if I don't understand why, that there's a certain mile to Yishalayim. That's all wanted a chalik in it. And the MS says, it's better to Chazal. Chazal already say, Chazal already say that Einach Melech doesn't have an army in Yishalayim. There wasn't a king who didn't have a palace in Yishalayim. They might not have lived there, but there was a value in having like some, some kind of a foothold in Yishalayim. Okay. So they themselves don't really know why? So they themselves don't know why. They themselves don't know why, unless there's some, they feel that there's a connection to something greater there, or they believe in the story of the Torah. Right? But whatever it is, there's a, there's, it's, it's always been a center point for the world, even even when it wasn't something which, in simple terms, would have made a difference to them. Okay, so this is how Rabbi Yerlevi finishes his argument, but he was trying to explain to the king that there's an intrinsic mind in Eretz Yisrael. He finishes off, Besides that, all the things that Chazal said in Eretz Yisrael, that's, that's a whole different discussion. And besides for the evidence of how much people, whether it was the obvious or whether it was other nations, wanted it, so he says, we see with class, we see the Maya Chazal give it as well. So the king is interested to hear what that is. And he says to him, Amar Kuzari, Ashmi Ani Ktas Mashi Yizdami Lechomi Devran. So tell me a little bit. What did Chazal say about Eretz Yishal? He wants to see what they have to say. So now we're going to have next in the, in the, what the Chacham brings here is a sampling of some of the many statements of, of Chazal um, in the Gemara about the Maya of Eretz Yishal. What's interesting is that it's setting, the king, it's setting up the next question which the king is going to attack him with. And that is that if Israel is such a minor, so how come not everyone's living there? If Israel it has such a special minor, and then how come he's asking Rabbi Levi, why the Jews all over the world in Goddess? Why are they back to Israel? We answered it a little bit, and now he's going to come back to it the second time. Right, so it says a chavit. Some of the things Israel said about the minor of Israel, I call minor of Israel, and I call my team. In other words, the, the, this is the missioning service, and it says that if you have a family that one wants to go up to Eretz Yisrael and the other one doesn't, so let's say a husband can insist that his wife comes with him to Eretz Yisrael, but the other hand he can't. He can't insist she leaves Eretz He can't take people away from Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, because of that then, if the lady refuses to join her husband to go to Eretz Yisrael, so that she, she forfeits her service. 
that's the, the man wants to leave and then he wants to stay. And so they're out. She had to eat the ksuvah. Then we forced him to pay the ksuvah because he's doing something wrong. And so you see that it's not just the maila of a spiritual nature. When Chazal weighed up, they give it a, a halachic status as well. In other words, when, when the basin decide if they deserve success or not, what's the decision? In simple words, who's right and who's wrong? If he does something wrong, then he has to pay the ksuvah. If she does something wrong, she loses the ksuvah. Right? Uh, and this is what runs through the whole of notion. That if, it, if a man wants to divorce his wife because she's a very saldasi hood, she's not keeping that off, whatever it is, so she goes over that, so she does something wrong. If, uh, let's say, he happens to be a, become a tanner or something else, which she says, I can't, I can't live with him, I can't take the smell of a tannery, right? So then he's forced to give it, so he does something wrong. And therefore, the, the, the basic, if you want to bring it to the simplest level, the question of the basin when it comes to giving it silver or not is who's in the right and who's in the wrong. So therefore, when it comes here, if it's going to be a discussion of to go to Israel or not to go to Israel, or the reverse, to leave Israel or not, so Chazal say, which whoever the party is who wants to stay is doing right, is right. So therefore, if the lady doesn't want to come, so she's wrong, so she doesn't get a ksuvah. If the man doesn't want to come, so he's wrong, so he has to pay the ksuvah. So you see that they gave halachic significance that if a person wants to be in Israel, the starting point is they're doing the right thing. Ba'amru. La'olam yadar adam ba'aris Israel, rafila bi'ir shirubu kusim, while yidar b'chus la'aris rafila bi'ir shirubu Israel. And that's an amazing statement. The person has an option to live in Eretz Yisrael in a city which is mostly Goyim. Or to live in Chutz Eretz in a city which is mostly from Jews. That, uh, if you had to bring us to Maisel, someone should ask, I live in Lakewood or in Tel Aviv? Right? What the Gemara is saying is, a person should always live in Eretz Yisrael, even in a city which is Merubi Goyim, or people who act in that Goyim. Why? Because Shekara Dar be Eretz Yisrael, Daimel Amish Leyesh Whoever lives in Eretz Yisrael is likely to have a guard. Bechara Dar be Chutz Eretz, then we change the Leica. Which we have to explain. Whoever lives in Eretz is. It's like they have a connection to Hashem. A connection. And lives in Chutzah doesn't have a connection to Hashem. The Chain, how do you know this? The Gemara says the Chain, but David to Aime. Oh, so we have to explain. 100%. So let's just see what is rise first. The Chain, but David to Aime. King Gershuni, Hayyam, Mishtafeh, Benachas Hashem. When Shaul was chasing him, and therefore to save his life he had to run away from Eretz Yisrael, so David says to him, you've chased me out of Nachas Hashem, go and serve other gods. And like the Gemara says, him, foreign gods, and on that the Gemara says, who told him to serve Eretz Yisrael? And therefore David is saying, the very fact that you're forcing me to leave Eretz Yisrael, is like you make me serve Eretz Yisrael. And uh, therefore, there's a male living in Israel, even if it's in a place which is Rubai Kusim and not in Chutzlars, because living in Chutzlars is considered uh, tantamount for serving of a desire. And the obvious question is why? Why? What's, uh, why, why is living in Chutzlars uh, lack of a question of a desire? Now, So, the Kuzari now brings the Raya, which is not what the Gemara says. Let's look at his Raya, and we're trying to find the Gemara also. And he says like this, Mekwar Samu Eretz Mitzrayim, Ma'la Ashara Rosas Acheres. The Torah already gives Eretz Mitzrayim a certain distinction of other countries. And, V'shafta Azulasa Mikal And therefore we learn from Mitzrayim, which has a distinction to 
other countries which are less than that. For Amir, for my Mitzrayim, Shanichasale or Bris, Mitzrayim, where there was a covenant made with the Jewish people there, right? And nevertheless, it's also nevertheless it's also to live. The Torah says also in Mitzrayim. Then Shara Rotzis Lekol Shekem. Then Kavuchaim and other places in Eretz Yisrael, other places in the world which aren't Eretz Yisrael, are even worse. And this again needs an explanation. That when the Torah says an Issa to live in Mitzrayim, it's a specific Issa to live in Eretz Mitzrayim. So how, what's the Kavuchaim to Shara Rotzis? What does he want? Not only that, the Torah gives its reason for that. Right? It says uh, it wasn't the place, it was the people. It says, Asher Isim is Mitzrayim, Ayem, Metasifel, the rest of Allah Laila. Or you go back to Mitzrayim, the Derech I told you not to go back to. What happened in Mitzrayim? There was a reason not to go there. When it talks about Hashem sending Kaishal in the same Techacha, when it talks about going to Mitzrayim, Hashem will scatter the Jewish people around the world and they'll go back to Egypt. So then it adds in to the place they weren't allowed to go to. When it comes to other countries in the world, that Hashem says also, I'm going to scatter you all over the globe. Right? That doesn't say other countries are also to be there. So, so we see that the is a specific issue that goes to Mitzrayim. So if that's the case, what's his Kalvachimah? That if Eretz Mitzrayim is also, then other places are more also. So this brings us to the discussion, which is uh, really the discussion of the Gemara. And that is, what's the problem with living in Chesaret? Why is it Dome to a person who's Reshma Verizayim? Is it because of the place, or is it because of the people there? In other words, that if a person is in Chesaret, that is Dome to serving a Verizayim because he's forced to abide by the laws or by the conditions or by the uh, wherever the, the authority is in the land where he is, which is like serving a desire. Right? Like the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, So does, does that mean that the Torah is predicting that Kaisha are going to worship a desire, Or the fact that you subjugated to a country which worships a desire means that it's like you also worship a desire. In other words, by being servants, so to speak, to an idol-worshipping nation, it's like you worship a desire too. So that would be the case, and it would make a difference which country it is. In other words, if the, if the argument is that living in Chutzlaretz is you're under the dominion of the people in Chutzlaretz, and they happen to be idol worshippers, so therefore you're under the authority, so to speak, of whoever they have And that's the problem. So it's like, because now you have to, have to be obedient to or follow the laws of a country, which is a Vodazara serving country. Just as a, let's make a simple example for this. Right? There were, in, in many parts of Europe and even in America, right, there were certain laws you weren't allowed to do on Sunday. Because Sunday they respected for uh, for their reasons of their religion. Blue uh, Right. And therefore you couldn't run businesses on Sunday, you couldn't do whatever was on Sunday. You couldn't make your house on Sunday. Right. So then that's the case. Right? And so then the Jews in that place are forced to follow laws which are the etim of Vodazara-based laws. And if you, and same thing with, in Europe for sure. When it came to the Christian festivals, it was the Israel of you couldn't do anything. Uh, so again, the Jews were forced to keep laws which were based on an Avodah The same thing in Babel, we didn't have to go as far as Europe. Right? As you know from the Gemara, there was a religion in Babel called the Chavrei, and the Chavrei made laws outlawing fire, outlawing fire. And whenever they had a festival, they only had a night fire in their temples, wherever they did Avodah So the Jews went to their fires. Now, you be etzim following Avodah Zarah by doing this. This is a law of the Avodah Zarah. It's part of the worship of the Avodah Zarah. And you have to go along with it. So, that, so that's the one argument. That why a person who is in Chutzlaret is doing with Kamisha and Elaya. It says, Lech Avodah Him Acherim. Because by being in a situation where I'm forced to keep the religious ceremonies or laws of the country I'm in, the etzim, these are laws based on Avodah Zarah. Okay. 
that would be the argument. That would be the argument that it's the problem not with the place, it's the problem with the people in the place. A country which isn't a religious country, and therefore there aren't any religion-based laws. Or if that person would go to a desert, so there was no laws. He could do what he wanted. So there isn't, it isn't because he's married to Israel or it's he's not under the authority of an idol worshipping nation. And if that's the case, it wouldn't be the issue. But David Anadach said that he's chasing me away from serving Hashem, and so he's going to Aristishtim. Aristishtim, as you know, we're idolaters. So whatever David had to do to, so to speak, work with the Plishtim would be following the laws of the Avelizara of Plishtim. Okay, so that would, that would be one way to explain why it's better to live in Eretz Yisrael, even in a city without Jews, rather than have to be in Chutz Laaretz and be under the dominion of whichever authority it is um, that says so in Avelizara. The obvious question on this is, what happens to Eretz Yisrael is under the authority of Avelizara, at which there were many parents like that. It was whether it was the Crusades, or whether it was the Arabs, or whether it was the Mamluks, or whoever happened to be here, they also had their religions which they tried to enforce on people. Question. Um, I was under this under the impression that Islam is not an Avodah Zara. Islam is not an Avodah in the sense that we're not to go and kill them. But for us, for sure, it's also. It's us. It's not, it's not our religion. It's just not an idol worshiping religion. Right. So what about the, all the other... So if that would be the case, and that would be the argument, then this would only be a taina when they aren't forcing... There isn't an authority in Eretz Yisrael which is forcing people to respect the laws of another religion here in Eretz Yisrael. Right? If, which was obviously the case of David Amalek. Eretz Yisrael was run by Shal Amalek and it was a Jewish country. And But in a case where Eretz Yisrael itself is subjugated and is ruled by a, a different religion which is going to enforce its laws, then if that would be the case, we have the same problem there. So that's the first explanation of Gemara. So he's talking about his own times. Then, really, so that's okay. He's talking about Chazal. He's saying what Chazal said in Israel. In his times, it was But for sure, in Rabbi Levi's times, then it was already it was belonged to the Muslims, 100%. Um, now that's that that's the first one. Also, that doesn't explain to us why he went from Mitzrayim. Yeah. Is this study to Torah, or it's really Asher to not light to light? Do? Is it really Asher to live in another nation, or just to Oh, so that's the question. In other words, if the reason is because of what the nation is going to make you do, then countries in the world today which aren't run by religious laws, if that's the case, you aren't subjugated to what desire necessarily by living there. So maybe this wouldn't apply. That's what you have to see. But if you're going to see that, and as we'll see tomorrow, that there's another Mahalik also to explain why Eretz Yisrael is different, why it's compared to Chosla Eretz, so then you have to see that it'll make enough community if it's still applicable to Zanazah.